America's most popular pets, but also the pet most likely to die prematurely from disease, poison, animal abuse, and collision with vehicles because many people let their cats roam freely. To protect your cats from harm, please keep them indoors. A safe cat is a happy cat. Do you like weird music? Odd music? Wonderful music? Listen to Robot Pasta. It's freeform sprinkled with cheese. Served every Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. Right here on WCBN 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. I'm C. Hetzel. You're listening to Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Today, I am happy to have Ali Seti here in the studio with me. Welcome, Ali. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Uh, Ali is in town uh, with his book, The Wishmaker. Uh, we're, we're taping this program 16th of June, 2009. Um, Ali, so you're on a pretty extensive tour right now for The, for the Wishmaker. I am, yes. <laughs> is it your wish that it should keep going? or <laughs> how, how is it? This is, it I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm halfway through now. Um, and it's been great, actually. It's been good. It's, it's a bit hectic because I go to a new place every day. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of the U.S. And it's such a, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, I think and what an uh, exciting way to do it. on Because yeah. this is your debut novel, <laughs> That's your first right. novel. Yeah. Although you're no stranger to seeing your your words in print, because you've you've had articles placed in well at the Nation, um, and also recently in March in the New York Times. Yes. Right. Are those yeah. are, are those pretty much the places in the states? Are you also writing back in Pakistan? Is there? I you... I, I have done, but I uh, but it's I've been for you know since I graduated from college I've been doing mostly the book, um, yeah. So. Well, you know what? Let me read your short biography first, okay. just to ground people a bit, okay. and then we'll 
and we'll fill in some parts okay. to it. Uh, Ali Seti grew up in Pakistan. A recent graduate of Harvard College, he has contributed to the New York Times and The Nation, among other publications. He lives in Lahore, Pakistan. Did I get that Lahore. Right? Lahore. Okay. Yeah. All right. Lahore, Pakistan. Um, and, and so now maybe we can fill in a few of, because um, that was a spare biography. <laughs> um, so you came to the States to go to school. Uh, it's to Harvard, and that's. But before that, have you lived your whole life in Lahore? Yes, uh, I had. I had lived my. I had lived in um, only in um, in Lahore until I was eighteen, and then I went to college in the U.S. and then I spent um, four years there, and I spent a year after that in New York, and then I went back to Pakistan. Okay, were yeah. you were you interning in New York when you stayed there? Or was that your? Time I was. With the I was interning with the Nation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. What that must have been. Um, it, it just it almost seems like a natural um, experience for you, um, given your your family history. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, look, just where you're coming from, basically. Um, I um, my my parents are both journalists uh, in Pakistan. Um, they uh, my my dad used to be a bookseller. Um, and still is actually a bookseller. He has he has a bookshop in Lahore and a bookshop in Islamabad. Is it, um, are they both called the Vanguard? That's right. Yes. They're called the Vanguard books. Yes, you've done good good um <laughs> good research. Yes, um, they're both called Vanguard books. And um, uh, in in nineteen eighty nine, when I was um, how old was I in eighty nine? So eighty four to eighty nine, five years old. I was five, and my younger sister was about I think two and a half or three, uh, my parents started um, a weekly paper um, called the Friday Times. Um, and that really is their um, sort of, th that's their main that's their main project. Um, my dad also edits um, an English language daily and an Urdu language daily. Um, uh, wow, that's a lot on someone's plate, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's almost like political activism and, and being aware is just your living and breathing it every moment and in that household perhaps yeah that's right um <laughs> uh i think um journalists are especially um i think journalism is an especially uh political or politicized area um in 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 i think it's a kind of it's a political thing all over the world actually but i think in in some parts of the world more than in others where um where there's there's more censorship or or more, you know, um, you take less, less, um, less things for granted. I think there, you know, writing about about things can be a way of um, of expanding public space, um, you know, and that can that can get you into trouble. And and it's been and your family has had their share of difficulties, especially your father. It seems like he was he was jailed twice. Was he for his act his his writings his activism? Um, yes, twice. Once in 1984 and once in 1999, and I think once before that as well. But the main one was 99. Um, yeah. And so it seems like a, a, a natural backdrop in some way that uh, one of the parents in your in your novel would be a journalist. Yeah. Or have these deep beliefs right away. Mm -hmm. Something you know intimately. Yeah. Um, 
Maybe you can tell us a little bit about The Wishmaker. Uh, yeah, sure. The Wishmaker is a it's a novel, so it's a it's a story about uh, mostly about a boy and a girl, Summer uh, Zaki and Summer. The Zaki is the boy, Summer is the girl, and they're um, almost cousins, but not exactly. Um, uh, Summer is a little older than Zaki, um, and they are both growing up together in the 1990s in an urban middle class household in in Lahore, which is my home city and is in northwest Pakistan, um, very close to the border with India. Um, and they're being raised by two women in the house: um, uh, Zaki's grandmother, his paternal grandmother, Dadi, and Zaki's uh, mother. And Zaki's mother is a widow and is a journalist. Zaki's father used to be a flying officer in the Pakistan Air Force and has died in the plane crash. And Samarapi's parents live in the village, um, away from her. She lives. She's being raised by her aunt in the city. And so that's sort of the setting of the story. And there are two servants who are with them in the house. Uh, Nasim is the maid servant and the cook, and Barkat is the driver. And it's really about just that setting, um, and about um, the kind of you know they fight with each other and they kind of are not nice to each other, um, but they also come, they come through in 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 you know broken ways. They they end do, up. Do you mean that the were you saying they fight with each other? You mean that the grandmother and the mother, or or are you also um. I mean, they all. I think they have conflicted relationships. You know, I think it's because they belong to different generations, or because they have different opinions, and be, they belong. They have different. If you, you know, when you factor in the, the the staff, the two servants who work in the house, they have different socioeconomic backgrounds and concerns, and so um, I think. Uh, some of those some of those divisions are reflected in the things they want, the different wishes that they make, uh, the different things they want for their lives and for themselves, and the inability of the people around them to understand why they want those things, why they want to do those things. But I think by the end, they kind of... Um, that's very human, you know. isn't it? Really, because that's how the sort of the state we're all in, in some ways. Is like, it? I hope it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not to sound bleak, like nobody understands us. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, but then, but then, there's some. So that's the idea of the wishmaker, yeah. and the, and there's also um, a palmist makes a cameo um, yeah. within that. There, yeah. It seems like Samar's desires are are maybe more openly uh, articulated than. The other characters, although every you're right, each if you stop to think about it, each of the characters has very clear desires in 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 the book. Yeah, what they yeah, want. Yeah, I think Summers is the main uh, story in a way, in the in the book, and um, I think everybody around her is a is an enabler of her wishes in one way or another, at one stage or another. Um, you know, they. What do you use that in a positive way, enabler? I don't know if I use that in a positive way. I don't know what a positive way would be. Like, how do you mean? Uh, well, it just seems like in, in pop psychology sometimes that's that was that's a word with a bit of a sting. Like you're enabling someone to do something that perhaps they ought not to do. So I just didn't know what you were. Oh, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. I guess that context of it. But I. Okay. But I. But I. I guess what I mean is that. Um, I mean that you know Zaki accompanies her everywhere because he's you know he has nobody else in the house and and this is his only friend and is really his only um uh, real relationship in that in that house um and so he's the witness in a way in which it, that's why the story is it's told through Zaki's perspective most of the time in the first person but but the story goes away from that a lot now and then it goes into the third person and that is the kind of that formal split between first first person narration and third person narration is supposed to uh, it was intended to enact the split between um you know what we think of what we could maybe say ourselves and other people 
uh, the idea that you know we like to th- we like to think that we live our lives in the first person sort of that we are self-contained and self-possessed but actually we are made up of our interactions with other people and um, we're also i think made up of our our families and our contexts where we come from and you know how we are raised and where the people we interact with and the kinds of interactions that we have they 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 end up shaping the eye um and so this is deliberately a sort of story that that looks like maybe a story a coming of age story but it's not actually a coming of age story the eye is like a it's an entry into all the other stories around the eye so zaki's story is actually the story of the women around him in that house and and the use of the third person did that also al- allow you a, uh, to signal a change in time like the chronology of the book as well definitely that's it 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 does correspond um uh, to a change in in time as you point out yes uh, you it's the you know again absolutely it's the you know it looks like a story set in the 90s but actually it's not it's uh, it goes back to the 1980s and then it goes back to pre-partition lahore to the time when pakistan was not even yet created and was being created when dadi the grandmother central character is 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 young yes when in, she's in young. her ho- household yes in her household um and then it also goes away briefly to nasim's village um which is um you know a different kind of life so so those that that's those are the parts the the dadi part the the part about zaki's mother and the part about nasim where the story goes into where it's always obviously third person narration and no longer uh, writing in the first person um and zaki almost loses himself in the in the he's no longer there but he's also entirely there because you know he's omniscient um so that's supposed to be the paradox in a way of it so so you're saying that zaki in some way is there even before he was born is that what you're saying that i that so is kind of so what's the philosophy a, of this then what, okay that the, the yeah. sort of the, the the philosophy of this sort of is that is that um we um it's really it's about myth making you know it's about the idea that we um imagine other people into existence even when we know that they have they are sovereign over themselves um people other people are really um we we don't we know it but we 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 often we often kind of project our own perception of other people on back onto them you know and 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 that in turn i mean i think the act of reading fiction you know is 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 like that because you are you know you're you're temporarily allowing these uh you know fake people to exist these people aren't real that you read about in no, in a novel let's say or in a movie that you watch um but but you you grant them that validity for as long as their story lasts because it ultimately comes back to you it's telling you something about yourself and so uh that that that's the point of it really is that um Zaki is he says somewhere he says it was as though I was in my mother's womb long before I was conceived and was pushing her from the start to the axial event of my birth you know so he's the axis he is literally the eye the the stick around which the stories revolve um but but for him to 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 leave his own story and to and to uh, and to and to go into the stories of other people around him there are other minor characters as well who swirl around him a lot that's the kind of that's the kind of i think the philosophy of it at the heart of it is that each of us is this ever present i in in a continuum of stories more that sort of that we we um we have the capacity to um to to inhabit other people's not exactly inhabit other people's consciousness but 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 to you know what we call empathy What is that? What is that? What is empathy exactly? It's putting yourself in somebody else's situation in a way. 
and and being able to actually feel it somehow and being able to like somehow feel it inside right feel it. and to be able to feel how somebody else might feel um and that's really where where all the great things of the world come from that's where most art comes from that's where most um, you know altruism comes from that's where most of but that's where so much of progress, of, of, of progress and comes becoming from. more human absolutely. rather than absolutely yeah. and, what, and what we call civic consciousness what we call you know political consciousness just the idea that you that that human beings exist within the context of each other and that no one story is complete without without addressing the stories that exist around it that's the story that's the that the thing at the heart of it and that's why you know no no first person story can really be complete it has to have a third person context around it that sort of the, the, the and, thing and so also that you're kind of throwing the stake in the ground so when we look for your next your next story to come this may be something that's still at work in it or do you feel like now this has has um you've created this and this shows that and so it's not necessarily something that has to be in you know you're the first person who's actually pointed it out so i don't i don't know how much i've succeeded in um, in, in, in no i don't know if it's if i've done a good job of of showing necessarily of or of achieving what i set out to achieve well then we'll have to talk later on as time goes by and what yeah yeah what, um but um but i i think i think it's a it's definitely a it's a um it's a concern and it's an interest of mine i i am really uh, interested in this idea that um you know we and it it's really not just about individuals it's about cultures and societies as well i was just saying to somebody today that i think in a way pakistan is one of the most global places on the planet um and that doesn't mean that pakistan is determining what happens in the globe uh, it means just that so many um you know um globe defining um historical currents and cultural trends have have converged in pakistan for various reasons um you know what is now pakistan was once uh you know the the setting of of the of the of the british empire um and um in the last 50 years pakistan has been allied with the united states and has been at the center of what was the cold war um and then you know the saudi arabia um sort of uh, missionary activity that whole setting up of the madrasas um has been pakistan has been the main um uh, you know um recipient of of that and then bollywood comes in from the other side in india and yet we have this weird relationship with india where our government tells us that we're not to think of them as as um <clears throat> as friendly neighbors or as or as a part of our, our shared culture or past in any way don't sing the same songs right don't sing the same songs you know what let's and... let's take a short break ali and okay. we'll pick up with this okay. and we'll be back um you're listening to living writers today um ali seti with his book the wishmaker uh i think we're going to go to an 80s track so don't let it jar you we're talking about love today with ali seti mt hetzel will be back
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Um, today, Ali Sati, uh, his book, his debut novel, The Wishmaker, um, just out this this spring, summer with Riverhead Books. Um, a quick thank you to Jesse Johnston uh, for manning the controls here in the engineering booth. And um, so, Ali, uh, before we 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 go back to the the politics a bit. Um, <laughs> should we talk about the the song, the meatloaf little yes, ditty which, there? <laughs> which, which features on a playlist, um, which features on a playlist in, um, in I think, the 10th chapter. That's right. Yeah. it's a, It was a popular song in uh, the 1990s. I think, was it 1992 or something or 93? Or? I feel like it was out before that, though, I think right? it was the early almost, 90s. Was it? Okay. Yeah. But everything came a little late to Pakistan, so... Um, ninety three. Ninety three. <laughs> yeah. That's Jesse. Jesse's yeah. given us the musical. Yeah. yeah, but I think for for this for this yuppie kind of uh, you know generation that I'm I'm uh, describing here, I think the you know we had the we had the what we call the dish antenna, which is satellite uh, TV, uh, which arrived in the mid nineties in the affluent. Um, parts of urban Pakistan. It's funny how they had a they had a really easy sell to convince the grandmother. Yeah, that's right. They, they, <laughs> they did. She was completely ready. More programs with ready. singing? That's right. That's right. We did. We in Pakistan actually had only two TV channels for the longest time. And that was a real... Um, uh, now that I think about it, it seems completely impossible because now Pakistan has like more than 50 independent home-run, homegrown TV channels. Um, but in the 90s, when I was growing up, uh, there were two TV channels. There was PTV, which was Pakistan Television, the one state-run, state-controlled TV channel. And the other channel that we used to get sometimes was called Doordarshan, which was Indian State TV. But we'd get it only when the wind was right and the <laughs> aerial on the roof was positioned in the right way. And then we'd, you know, uh, a servant would go up and would hold it down on and you know some child would stand in the doorway and 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 say it's coming it's coming and they would say no it's gone again and you know <laughs> so it's shifting the so it's shifting again and sometimes you'd catch like burmese tv uh, by accident <laughs> you know it's almost like shortwave radio or something like that it is that. sort of like shortwave radio well, but yeah well now it must be so different with with um the you know the internet and and, yeah. and so things are it is i mean it's interesting i'm watching i you know this is the the week of the iran election and so i'm watching a lot of that on tv right now and it it's it's interesting it you know it looks like um on your computer a, as you're traveling on my computer as i'm traveling but even on even in at airports uh you know in in um, in hotel rooms and things i can see that the the, the, the look of, you know, the, the way those kids look, so many of them are young people. So many of those protesters are young. Um, and they, they are, you know, they wear, they are wearing um, Western clothing. And they often, I've seen, uh, you know, protesters with Adidas um, logos and Nike and, and you know, these, these kind of symbols of globalization. And it looks like, uh, you know, I'm... I'm uh, it's. I think it's not just India and Pakistan. I think all over the world that exists this now increasingly um, this um, this kind of globalized youth culture in in urban affluent parts of 
parts of uh, what are otherwise poor countries. And, and and I think I heard that Iran has the population is is just a, is a, a youth culture in a way. The population is so young. Yeah. Like the, the percentage that's under 30 yeah. is the, the greatest percentage, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Pakistan is too, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I think it's the same in Pakistan. It's something like 70% of the population or 65% of the population is under 30. Um, um, but... Um, the um it's 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 not you see it makes me i don't know it may i it's not it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that um that there's that there's you know somehow that the ground is ready for like a kind of youth revolution because of course you know somebody was asking me today so what's it like belonging to that generation it must be an exciting time but i don't think there is a generation and that's the real that's the real tragedy because there are so many socio-economic divisions in society um, and so many ethnic and cultural differences in pakistan i know that compound those socio-economic differences so that most young people in pakistan are still poor and and also kept separate from each other in some ways there's not places where they're all meeting oh there isn't to, there's to no there isn't that no they not. have they're, similarities right or, they don't they don't they don't have those um you know they the people who are mechanics are not they 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 are completely alienated from the kids who have the opportunities of speaking languages that they don't you know who are english speaking who wear jeans and drive their own cars and have the the money and the time to go to universities and have TVs in their homes because even in your own past english was something that you were learning from an early age in school right yes i was i was lucky enough to go to a to a, well a to have parents who parents who were educated who were university educated but also to go to a, to to go through the english medium school there's that split in pakistani society between what is called an english medium education and an urdu medium education so english medium education is uh, an english medium education is when you go to a private school where um where the uh, medium of instruction is english so you learn physics, chemistry, math, biology, etc., all in the English language, and then you, you know, and you learn. You only take one Urdu course per week or two Urdu courses per week. So it 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 orients you in a different way from from most other people in Pakistan who are maybe your age, and live in the same country as you do, but who go to a government-run school where you know they, they're learning A B C at at in the fifth grade or in the sixth grade, and so even communication is not possible. Um, they divide society in horrible ways. Well, how ways. is your Urdu? Like, how? What? How are your other language skills? Like, do you? My are language you skills are now bilingual? mercifully. Yeah, my, I'm trilingual now, and that's a good thing because I, when I went to college in the U.S., it's it's ironic, but it's I think it makes sense. I majored in South Asian studies, and I did that I think because I, um, when I got to college, people asked me questions about Pakistan, and I didn't really have answers. Um, and I found that you know we'd only really we'd we'd been encouraged to to really only pay attention to the sciences and to um, physics. Chemistry and math. Well, plus you take it for granted. I mean, you you were very well acquainted with certain parts of the the, the present history that you had lived through, yeah. but not having perhaps a context of it because right. you just take it. Like, yeah. Of course, this is all around me. We all share this. But then when you come to the states, yeah. suddenly you're an ambassador. Right. I was wondering if if that's Wayne as well with 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 the Wishmaker with with um with the book um when you wrote it because i i saw <laughs> just to be really highbrow there was a quote in the the media packet of, about people magazine saying like what Khaled husseini did for with the kite uh runner um that's your par- with for afghanistan is what you know the wishmaker will do for you know present day pakistan mm-hmm. That's you know, a heavy thing it's a, it's <laughs> to a heavy talk about thing. the and politics it's a, of it. And it's a, it's a difficult, uh, you know, it's a difficult and odd thing to 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 live up to in a way because uh, you know it, that book is uh, 
a lot of people love the kite runner really love it very much uh, you know and are very passionate about it um uh, but also uh, a lot of people kind of associate uh, the kite runner and and Khalid Hussaini's writing with a certain period in afghan history and certain questions about afghan society etc and you know when i started writing my book i wasn't i mean i didn't even have the ti- i had a completely different title in mind i wanted to call it half baked um <laughs> cuz at one point he says you're a half baked liberal and to she his mother. and zaki says and someone as a child says you're nothing but a half picked vixen to herself when she's looking in the mirror so you know that idea that everybody is actually a half picked vixen in the story um everybody is uh, is not fully realized and is is semi third person and semi first person and and is 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 a hybrid and culturally made up um you know so but but it turned out that in the US <laughs> half picked uh, means being stoned <laughs> so i didn't know that i had no idea you know i i know it would be a totally different movie when you sold the film rights for sure it, it already is a movie it's a movie with Dave, Dave Chappelle and it's i think it's oh about and it's about getting stoned as well i think um this He's is great. I, yeah he is great but this is what i've been told so uh, you know the title came much later so um but i think i think you're and right so you, you wanted to change it <laughs> i no i we i we, i i came up with like a number of titles i think we tried about you know many but um i think we this worked in the end i think it works in a way it sits nicely on the book but when you say we what is at this point is it riverhead in on it too like the way of positioning the book or think, is it still i think no i think this is me and my editors uh, my editor my american editor and my british editor and myself um and um you know i wrote the book and i was i, I did it I, did, i alone was was involved with it um for the for the first draft but um the second draft that i wrote was um was um uh, was was done in in sort of the editing process what we what i took out and what i expanded and what i you know what i tweaked etc was done in 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 sort of consultation with my editors um, oh and so at that point is it something that you've decided to draw out because the the wish the wish and noting that was already within the text right the wishing was already in the text uh, just as half baked already is in the text so it could have been a number of it could have been a number of things but we just had to come up with a you know with something that was that 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 felt organic to the book and i'm surprised by by how um how well in a way the wish maker kind of sits atop the book atop the whole whole of it well it has gravitas as well doesn't it it's sort of i hope so yeah. I, i hope it does Whereas, as opposed to half baked, where you think right, where something like half baked might be, I don't know, flimsy or facetious or something. Yeah, it's always possible. But the moments work with half. I mean, they're completely necessary because it makes yeah. it a real interaction on the page. Yeah, right. Yeah. Those with things, because we don't always walk around with like grandiose theme music. swirling behind us with the wishmaker <laughs> at our right. Yeah. But it seems like something wonderful to have as the I don't know the title. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no titles are another a whole different, you know, animal. I don't. I. I, I don't. I don't even. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll um we'll hear a piece from the wishmaker when we come back. We'll take a short break um right now. Uh today on Living Writers, Ali Seti, the wishmaker. I'm T Hetzel. Um you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor and we'll be back soon.
Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM and Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today, Ali Sati and his novel, The Wish Maker. Um, and we're going to hear a, a, a piece of it now. Um, this is um, from from the second chapter. This is um, Zaki, uh, our narrator, is telling us a little bit about himself and Samarapi, his cousin, and about the circumstances in which they are growing up. And here he's telling us about, um, I think, about about his his dad, um, who was a flying officer in the Pakistan Air Force. Um, so this is, and Dadi is his grandmother, and um, I think that's really all we need to know right now. So. We had grown up together in the house. She was really my father's first cousin. Her mother, Choti, was Dadi's younger sister and lived with her husband in Barampur, a small village that she disliked and considered unsuitable for the raising of her only child. So, at the age of two, Samarapi came to live with Dadi in Lahore. Two years later, I was born, and though in moments of hostility she claimed to be my aunt, Entitled by the nature of that position to deferential treatment, we were raised from the start to consider ourselves part of the same litter. We weren't alone. Suri and Hukmi often went away in the afternoons and left their children with Dadi in the house. Asya and Mahin stayed inside, played with toys and fought, and Isa and Musa played squash against the wall of the veranda and played cricket on the lawn with the boys of the neighborhood. Occasionally they allowed me to play with them. They made me wait in the driveway, then let me feel the ball or stand behind the wickets. And then they withdrew, sometimes citing a lack of skill as the cause, and sometimes nothing at all. It was made clear to me from the start that I was not one of them, since they had fathers, one each, whereas mine had left me for the skies. My father, Sami Shirazi, had been a flying officer in the Pakistan Air Force. I had never met him. He died when I was minus two months old. My mother was heavily pregnant when news of his death reached our house. He was flying a new kind of airplane above the Somiani Hills when a fault occurred in the control column, causing it to lock, and the plane spun out of control. I wasn't told the rest. It was withheld from me, for instance, that after taking the squadron leader's call, my mother had abandoned the telephone and had wandered out with a hand on her belly into the lawn, where she had tried ambitiously to vomit. It was also withheld from me that the incident was quietly mourned. 
accidents in the armed forces were not to be played up, and a fussy funeral was not observed. In any case, nothing had survived the crash, nothing but a few resilient components from inside the aircraft that were then taken away for an inquiry. Dadi didn't take the news. She fumbled for her sleeping pills and took mental leave. Suri and Hukmi sat by her side and stroked her back, soothed her with words when she awoke, made her drink glasses of water, had her pace the room and encouraged her to go back to sleep. It went on like this until my mother walked in one afternoon with the baby in her arms and Dadi sat up to receive the baby, reviewed its features and saw that they were hers. Only two words came out of her quivering mouth. My grandson. Then she burst into howls. Suri and Hukmi began to stroke her back and my mother recovered the baby from her arms and clasped it to her own chest, trying very hard not to cry. And so I came to learn that I had been given to Dadi as compensation for the death of her son. Remember, she would say, pointing a forefinger to the ceiling. With one hand Allah takes and with the other he gives. You were given to us. Thank you, Ali. Thank you for listening. And and so this this novel um, had a start as a short story. Um, what was what was at the core of that story that you saw? Because you wrote that in a in a was it for a class That's when you right. were in Harvard for a class. And so could you tell us a little bit about that, like how this grew, the novel grew? Like was that piece that you just read to us, was that part of the original piece? It wasn't actually a part of the original piece. Um, the original piece was just one of, um, was one of uh, I took three creative writing courses while I was at college. Um, and it sounds like a lot and it sounds like a waste of time, but actually, you know, over the... <laughs> Wait, you're talking to someone who came here for an MFA Oh, really? Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad. <laughs> well, here we go. I'm, I'm the kindred soul. I'm so glad I'm talking to you, T. Thank you. No, um, uh, over, uh, over a, you know, the, 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 the writing courses, we had to do an assignment every week. We had to turn in one little piece of something every week. And then at the end of the term, we handed in a larger piece of writing. That was sort of the, the, the format for all three of those classes. Um, That's a lot of production, isn't it? It is a lot of production. Um, and, I, and I think uh, it was, and so, and, and it was also, but it wasn't, it wasn't too heavy because the shorter pieces were quite short. They were like, you know, eight pages double spaced or, you know, something. So they would be, they could, and they, they were quite, they were very broadly defined. You, you couldn't, you didn't have to write a complete self-contained short story. It could be just a piece of something as long as it made sense, you know, as long as it led from one place to another. And it was discussable in a in a workshop. Uh, you could do it. So it was one of many things I wrote in that in that in in that four year period that I spent at college. Um, and it was just it was part of a course that I took with um, the uh, writer Amitav Ghosh, who was uh, teaching that semester at Harvard. And his class was called Life Writing. Um, and he said, write in something uh, in the first person um, about about life. Um, and and he, every week we were doing a different kind of experiment. Um, and so, you know, one week we were reading the autobiography of Alice P. Toklas, which is written by Gertrude Stein, and which is interesting formally because it's written by Gertrude Stein <laughs> about herself, but actually through the eyes of Alice P. Toklas, who is her companion and lover. And so we were reading that, and then we were reading the Babar Nama, which is the memoirs of the Mughal Emperor Babar, um, who recorded, you know, in a kind of uh, regular but, but un- really, uh, you know, uh, 
uncensored way his just his his like day to day experiences and he didn't i don't think he knew that he'd become the founder of the mogal empire and that you know that his day to day experiences would be so valuable to us uh, to see how he how uh, how a uh, a uh, central asian like babar responds to a bat for the first time when he sees it in india and he says this thing has just flown above my head and it has wings but looks like a rat it is most terrifying and interesting you know um and then you know so we were reading a number of of very interesting things which were often quite disparate which were often quite different from each other um and so um so one of the gives you the openings doesn't it, it then does. the possibilities yeah definitely it was a it was a good way of exercising the um you know it it wasn't like a conventional creative writing course where the, the you know where you're told just look within you and you'll find the answers you know it was sort of more like go out and find uh, you know find a subject and pursue it um and it was that's why it was called life writing and so i think one of the pieces that i just produced for it um was about was about just about this about this girl who is um this 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 girl who is listening to these songs and who wants to go out of the house um and and her cousin is taking her out of the house um and um she has an aunt in the house who's help who's who who kind of enables her to do it in some ways it was a very small short piece it was like about i think six or seven pages and it was really just a kind of nostalgic description of the lahore that i recalled um from that time so it was it had bollywood references and it had references to these these uh, songs like these meatloaf songs etc but you um, chose a female character even then it was a, it was a, you'd been looking at the eye definitely yeah yeah no i cho- i chose a female character we were we were um we had we had just also read madam bovary um and it was it was interesting we were looking at how women became the centers of of so much social writing actually social commentary through women through women subjects uh, you know whether it was anna karenina or madam bovary or uh, you know dh lawrence's heroines um you found that in times of social change um women became the centers of 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 just artistic enterprises often undertaken by males yeah. um so so there were a number of these things as i say it was part of a a creative writing course in which we were expected to respond to the reading um and so uh, that was one of the things but really i didn't when i wrote it i didn't think it would become a novel or anything i just thought it was an assignment that i was going to show my professor and be graded on and then move on to the next thing that i was doing so what um, happened what happened was that i was by the time i got to senior year of college i was i wanted to i think write something i wanted to produce uh, something that a piece of a work that would archive a time because i'd moved on to my thesis my senior year thesis was on anarkali who is um a, a 15 a 16th century who is said to be a 16th century um concubine in the harem of the emperor akbar and she has a mausoleum a grand kind of mausoleum in lahore in my home city um and i was i was doing again because of because oh because this was historical research that right. you were immersed in okay right and so and so um you know any really any if you spend time in the post colonial studies department you will end up looking at a lot of feminist literature and you'll end up looking at a lot of a lot of this question about why why the woman becomes the subject of so much um so much nationalist you know the idea of mother india for example which was really revived which was a central idea at the time of the uh, anti colonial movement um in in undivided india etc so i was looking at these things and i and i thought you know well and i was reading poetry because i was a south asian studies major and i found that so much of sufi poetry was written um in fact almost all of sufi poetry including the nusrat track that we were just listening to right now um is is men writing through the through as through in the voice of the woman because the woman is supposed to be uh, again somehow a more 
emotive or more more valid uh, more kind of more um what's the word a more um viscerally engaging subject uh you know that 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 women somehow control are, are associated with the domain of the emotions the domain of love the domain of spirituality religion also uh you and know and the country if it's mother india absolutely and the country as well mother india you know don't defile our mother country these kind of if you look at these comments and examine them you know you find that that they that they really are there's a lot of gender politics at play in them um and so so that you was think their lot would be better than when when she you will absolutely you do think you hope that a lot would be better and it's not and it's 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 odd because it's actually men articulating uh you know these grand positions but but claiming to protect the the mother country or claiming to you know the mothership or the mother motherland or whatever it is um so the that i think the idea of the mother was one idea that was definitely in my mind when i was when i started to write this book um so zaki's mother is for example a very important um character and that's why i removed the father uh because i wanted to um you know pakistan as a country is i think what about the word for pakistan pakistan is unsure of its history we have had so many official versions of our history in pakistan um you know there is this version of pakistani history which is basically says that pakistan is an islamic country and has an islamic history and there's no other history to pakistan and then there's a version of pakistani history which says actually pakistan is as old as the indus valley civilization which exists in you know you can see the ruins of the indus valley civilization and also the continuities with that civilization the moment you step out of the cities and go into the villages and see how people continue to live their lives um and then there's this 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 the culture that is described in parts of this book uh you know the urban youth culture in in middle class in neighborhoods of people who are who are shaped by so many different um you know cultural influences whether it's bollywood which is coming from the from the indian uh from india or um or um or american tv the wonder years the wonder years or you know or or um or beverly hills 90210 or um or pop music or um and they also at the same time they it's not like they they're irreligious or they are also you know that the 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 religion is also a part of their culture because it's something that they grow up with and they have to encounter at school and they read these textbooks and things and so it's it they they really are half baked in many ways but they are ultimately i think think they're more than the sum of their parts you know they're more than just uh, indian or more than just islamic and more than just globalized they're all of those things and therefore more than all of those things can ever be um so that was kind of at the heart of it and that was the guiding uh, spirit for the for the book i don't know how much of it i've been able to do but but i tried to to write something that was that that expanded outward as opposed to you know coming 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 towards pursuing one narrative or going towards one conclusion i wanted it to i wanted the narrative to go outwards well i think you've done it ali thank you i hope i hope that that's a good thing too <laughs> you know because it can be confusing <laughs> well that's true well let's talk a little more about that when we when we come back you're listening to living writers i'm t hetzel today the wishmaker with ali sati we'll be back bani de mabagada I need a mama that 
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today, Ali Seti. Um, and you've also got the indomitable WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, uh, the one and only. <laughs> um, I don't know why I did a little laugh then. That's mm. strange. But anyway. <laughs> um, so, Ali, let's. So, in the writing of this book, you, you are, you, we've, we've heard about some of the the philosophy, your own wishes, your ideas about humanity that have gone in, uh, even the fact that, um, that love is, is what's driving this book. I mean, what a huge, like all of these things, let Mm -hmm. alone trying to set, um, the, the political and cultural stage of Pakistan. That's a lot to take on within the covers of the Wishmaker. Yeah. It is a lot to take on. And we said in the break, I, well, I was saying, I think it could have been much longer Would you- right i <laughs> it could be longer and longer and longer still and the thing <laughs> is that i could go on writing it forever and ever and then not show it to anybody by the end <laughs> you know that that's, that's the, the easiest thing to do in a way but no i think you're right it could have been longer actually and um it was a little longer than this um right now i think it's about 400 and something pages it's like 408 pages or 410 pages or something um but you know the thing is i uh I think two things that I'd like to say. One is that Pakistan is really, um, there's no official narrative in Pakistan. I think when a culture has, if when there's a consensus in a society or, or something of a consensus in a society about about the history of that society or about the culture of that society, it's easier to have a linear narrative. It's easier to have a story that uh, in which you can assume things about the setting, in which you can assume things that people will know already. Um, but you said it's so fractured. Exactly. So, so a place like Pakistan is there is no consensus about the national narrative. You know, there's even no consensus about why Pakistan was created. I know people who say things like Pakistan was created for the religion of Islam. And then there are people who say Pakistan was created for a small, you know, economically impoverished Muslim minority of India. And then there are people who say that it was an accident. It was not supposed to be created. It was just a bargaining chip that was being used by Mr. Jinnah, who was the founder of Pakistan, to get more concessions from the British as they were leaving. Um, so that they could, the Muslims could have more representation in what what, what they feared was would be a Hindu-dominated parliament. So but staying united. But staying united. So then, and you know, and because they wanted more federal autonomy for the provinces, uh, which the Congress, which was the Indian Hindu Party at that time, a mostly Hindu party, but which claimed to be a secular party, was not willing to give. They wanted to have a stronger center, and for good reasons too, because they were driven by an, a vision of industrialization in which they wanted, you know, swift modernity and these. So there were a number of these nightmarish things happening in a very short period of time because the British just wanted to get out. Uh, they were, they had just, you know, suffered. Uh, heavy uh, losses in the in the in the Second World War, and they just wanted to go. So, as a result of, and you know, Mr. Jinnah, who founded Pakistan, died within a year of Pakistan's creation. And that's got to that's that gotta was you know have rocked everything. oh completely. That basically right. just paved the way for the for the for the military to just 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 which was the only actually overdeveloped colonial institution that Pakistan the Pakistani state inherited. There was really no judiciary, there was no press, there was nothing, there was no money, but the military was very strong. So the military ended up playing an unfortunately you know um, heavy role in Pakistan's history and you know when a, when, a, when a military decides how a country looks at itself a military which is not organically linked to the rest of society as you know there's 
already this division separation between the barracks and you know or military people and civilian life mm-hmm. you know and this is a very ancient division it is as old as civilization itself so uh, you know for militaries to rule countries and to and to try to to raise uh, uh, create cultures that suit military politics um is not a healthy thing i don't think it it works well and it hasn't worked well in pakistan with the result that the first um, uh, 10 years of you know a military dictator tends to last at least 10 years that's the average span of a military dictator's life in pakistan so the first military dictator of pakistan um who ruled pakistan i think from 1958 to 1969 11 years was a man called ayub khan who said that he was going to modernize pakistan um and um you know during during his time this this generation of um uh, again the affluent middle class was was westernized so my dad's generation um who grew up in the 1960s were going to you know to were, were staging theater performances and were going dancing in the evenings uh, you so know so very open as far uh, as a military dictatorship would go right? right except that they were you know it was a it was a common thing at that time i think because the only at that time westernization was the big thing you know newly independent countries were trying to figure out who they were and where they wanted to go and and that i think the 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 desire to to be modern or to be a part of the modern world in some way and also because the link with the british had not entirely been 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 severed so that was still there um and for a number of other reasons this this kind of westernized um uh, uh, elite came up in pakistan's cities um and um the next round of military dictatorship that took place uh, uh lasted from um a man called general zia ruled pakistan and that was from 1977 to 1988 and that was a dark dark period because he uh, that was the period of what he called islamization he wanted to make society more pious that was his official reason and that basically meant that he was um, you know he the, the, the madrasas came up in pakistan and um, women's roles and the roles of minorities religious minorities and various sexual acts became crimes against the state and um, adultery was punishable by death and blasphemy was punishable and a lot a lot of other you know separate uh, islamic courts were set up uh, parallel to the regular courts so a number of these things happened and the third round of of military rulership which was rule which was which we just witnessed in pakistan with president musharraf was again an attempt to undo the islamization so that what that what's happened is that gener- different generations have grown up with completely different ideas of what their national identity is and that has created a big that has created even more you know it's in it's exacerbated the differences in society that already exist so with the result that when i sat down to write a book i didn't know which version to write i didn't know which era to focus on and i thought maybe i should focus on the era that i witnessed myself which is the 90s so that made it easier for me in the beginning because i was you know the references were all there i didn't have to look for them in books but as i wrote the, about the 90s i found that everything that was happening in the 90s had a backstory which was the 1980s and the backstory of the 80s was the 70s and the backstory of that went all the way back to 1947 when pakistan was created so that's why the book looks the way it does and really i don't think i could have told the story any other way yes that that i mean it's just Even I'm sorry I have to listen, compress so much history into every response you know But I think that's important uh, I mean obviously it is and um uh, because I think that 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 what you have just said articulated there so so well and so compactly for the time covered <laughs> is 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 the backdrop that is all around you in this novel and it's necessary like you said to I'm wondering if you will like what the stories that you tell if it will always 
be steeped in in this, I wonder. I mean, there's probably no way to to tell a simple story. And and has is there? There's no way to tell a simple story, really. And I think that's a good thing in a way as well, because I think we suffer too much from categorization these days. We are very accustomed to um, processing people in terms of what we already or what we think we already know about them. And I think that can be a problem because we don't know a lot. (laughs) You know, we really this is on the one hand, it's the age of information, but it's also the age of ignorance in many ways, because you know in the in the presence of the internet and books and libraries and and so, so many resources uh we still don't know a lot about ourselves and about other people um and you know almost d- less in a way almost with, less with this yeah. self-satisfaction absolutely of knowing more. absolutely it's a complacency it's made us more accustomed to you know like i say we we think we know more but we don't actually know more because we only go you know surface level that's our the level of our engagement with things and, and, and sometimes the, all you have time for in some backwards way right and so but those divisions, you know, whether they be, um, you know, divisions in ethnicity or, or generation or gender or, or many, many of those differences, I think uh, it, it's the spaces between those differences that are more interesting. You know, it's those it's those areas, the places where those differences meet sometimes and, and the places where histories are shared and where identities are shared. I think that's the, for the future, for my writing, I think that's what I want to look at. That's wonderful. So that'll be yeah. That's that's a wonderful thing. Has this how so? Has the Wishmaker come out in Lahore yet? Has it will in about uh, I think in a few weeks. It'll be it'll be available in Pakistan and India. So I'm waiting to see what happens. Well, you know that you'll get some some good coverage in the Friday Times. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I hope I. Well, actually, I hope I don't. I don't, I don't mom and think, Dad, are you listening? Are you, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think my my mom has actually just read the book and um, she. Yeah, the only comment she made was she said the dialogue is interesting. <laughs> I said, thank you for reading it, mother. You know? Oh no, yeah. but families are like that, aren't they? Sometimes families can be like that. Yeah, but it's also a good thing, I think, in a way. You know. It's it's good. You don't always want to know what your family thinks about what you've just written, you know. Um, I think also partly because you know, novels are not autobiographical. They're not. You know, but the whole premise is 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 fictional. You are you are making it up as you go along, and every time you put a character in some situation, you have to propel them forward, and so you have to come up with all kinds of crazy things to make them do that. And the imagination is 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 forming these scenes and crystallizing it once you start it off. Right, isn't it? absolutely. And then actually, if you think about it, at some later stage, like maybe a week later or even a year later, you think, where did that particular image come from? Or where, you sometimes it's, it's it's like having a dream. You know, you 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 dream you like something that was completely inconsequential, unimportant in your day shows up in such a big way in your dream at night. The cookie that you ate in the morning and thought about for like a split second becomes the protagonist of your dream at night. And that tells you something about your dreams. It tells you that the cookie was actually quite important. Quite magic. You know, quite magic, yeah. It's a it's it's a it's a weird thing, but it's true. And I think I think all fiction, whether it's writing novels or making you know, writing songs or or writing or making movies or or painting, etc., has something to do with 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 what's around you. You know what surrounds you, even if it doesn't necessarily enter your consciousness. It it's in the in the atmosphere because we're so absorbing it, aren't we? Because we are we're those particles, it. and we're not separate. We're it just not. appears that way, right? Which is why <laughs> which is why we're not the, our first person narratives are not are not contained within walls. You know, they are they are we're surrounded by third person narratives that often you know uh, merge with us. 
Well, Ali Sati, thank you so much for being on Living Writers today. I've so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And, Thanks a lot. And you've been listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Thanks again to Jesse Johnston for engineering. Thanks for our streaming wherever you are, Florida, Chicago, Seattle. Thanks for listening, Ann Arbor. Um, I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, June 24th, 2009. From Bogota, Colombia, I'm Manuel Rueda. Coming up in today's program on Capitol Hill, lawmakers...